0: It's time for Sounding Off with Phil Goff. Morena me Phil Goff, how are you this morning?
1: Ata Marie I'm enjoying the sunshine, although it was a bit bloody cold coming in this morning. I think about 6 degrees when I woke up and uh, started driving in, but it's going to be a great day. And Hopefully the city can dry out a bit after an excess of rain. Uh, You know how I I, I follow the dam levels all the time. Well, we've been sitting fairly consistently on over 100% at the moment. So our dams are very full, which is good. But, um, yeah, we get a bit fed up with the rain.
0: Now, I want to start uh, by talking about coastal erosion preventative work consents. It's been in the news quite a bit recently. Um, Last year, Council released a map of areas in Auckland that are susceptible to coastal erosion, looking at what the coastline's predicted to be uh, in 2050 through until 2130 based on sea level rise forecasts. And it's quite significant looking at all the properties and the beaches and the parks that are likely to be affected even in the next 30 years. We've just had someone find 41000 for doing coastal erosion preventative work without resource consent from council. Uh, wh- why is it important to get consent before starting these works and and what support can council offer those wishing to do work on the coastline to protect their properties?
1: Yeah, look, I think the judge in that particular case summed it up quite well. Um, He said, you know, the guy knew he needed a consent and thought he could get away with doing the work and then asking for the consent after the event. And the judge's comments said that the the regulatory regime uh, exists for a good reason, you know, and that includes protecting the environment and the health and safety of the public and you can't have people just going off and doing their own thing and thinking that they're above the law and not not having regard for i mean the, what he what this guy built was was massive um uh, if you see a picture of it um just takes over the whole of the cliff And you can't have people doing that and saying, well, you know, public land, I can do what I like on public land and and change the face of it in order to protect my own property. So if he had gone to the council, he could have worked closely with the council. They would have given him advice on what was possible, what wasn't possible. And it really is important that that people, you know... uh, act within the law so that we can look after our overall environment. And, you know, Auckland has over 3,000 kilometres of coastline, Mm. uh, and that coastline is, uh, in some areas, including the place where I've got a batch, uh, under threat uh, because we've got rising sea levels, uh, we've got more severe weather events, droughts and floods. So it's going to be an increasing problem. So we're we're very much focused on it in council, what we can do. In some areas, you just say, look... um, No good building a massive edifice here. Um, This area will have to be written off as a place for habitation. Other areas we can provide protection. But what we can't have is people saying, well, we'll do our own thing regardless of what impact our work has on everybody else and on the wider environment.
0: Mm. And more broadly, less on a case-by-case, property-by-property basis, what are some of Council's plans to protect our coastline and, and also adapt to a somewhat... Inevitably, changing one in the future.
1: Yeah, look, it's it's it won't be one size fits all. Um, there'll be some areas where um, you know uh, sea walls can be constructed. There'll be some areas where um, we can we can do things to protect and to stop the erosion. But frankly, um, you know we're, we're looking at our our sea level in the next fifteen to twenty years rising by, by something like thirty centimetres. There will be areas that will no longer be habitable that's the cost of of climate change. Well you know the first thing we 've got to do is try to, to to play our role in in stopping carbon emissions to slow down the process uh, uh, and and ultimately halt the process of uh, of global heating. But a lot of it's going to have to be adaptation as well. And there'll be some areas, uh, frankly, where it just won't be sustainable um, to, to keep on building. It may be that you're right on the edge of a cliff that's, uh, that is going to erode over time, uh, or it may be that you're in a flood flood prone area and the insurance company is going to stop insuring you and it won't be possible. So the first thing we're doing within the limits of the Resource Management Act is to try to prevent the development of any new properties in areas that are at risk either of floods or cliff erosion. Uh, Although under the Resource Management Act, people have got certain rights if they've already built on the property. Um, But, you know, frankly, our advice would be if you're living in an area that is no longer going to be insurable in 10, 15 years, you'd be crazy to spend more money on it because it will be money that you lose. And we don't know yet what government plans will be to provide some form of uh, comprehensive insurance. And even if the government does provide comprehensive insurance, it certainly shouldn't be in the business of encouraging people to spend money on areas where it's a hazard to actually live. So we're going to have to make some big adaptations. And, you know, for people that are in areas that are prone to um, you know erosion or flooding um, it's 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 a it's a pretty traumatic situation and my, personally i think there'll have to be some sort of central government intervention but right now we face the problem of people going crook at us because we won't give them permits to do things but we won't give them permits if that land is is, is really at risk and they're going to they're going to they're going to lose the investment that they make in it so right. you know i think that's common sense
0: Uh, Let's move now to the Hunua pest control operation. The first stage of the Hunua pest control uh, operation is now underway. The third aerial pest controlling operation uh, in the ranges since 2015. Uh, What does stage one involve and, and how many stages are there to this plan?
1: Well, two main stages. Um, look, I live out in the Hunewas, and I just know how um, pest-infected, uh, infested we are. I, I've been I've been using Tim's traps for, for opossums, and you know, I think I I got to a total of about fourteen opossums over um, a period of maybe three or four weeks before I, I've, I've got on top of the local. Uh, the, you know, uh, community of opossums, but what they're doing is destroying our bird life. They eat the eggs. They destroy the bush. Um, there's just millions of them, and you know, as much as I, I, you know, try to shoot or or trap opossums, I'll never get on top of it. Which is why 1080 is necessary. Now, there are some people that are adamantly against 1080, and and it is a toxin. Uh, it's highly poisonous, so it's got to be treated with care. But it's the only way we can stop the the mass spread of the population of rats and opossums Um, when we last did it was 2018 And I went up with the rangers, and we'd just about eliminated opossums and rats, but they come back um, because you do the areas that you you can poison over safely, but you can't put poison over farmland or in occupied areas. And so the the, the opossums and the rats gradually move back in. So every three or four years we do it. The first stage, which started um, uh, last week, was that we apply aerially uh, non-toxic pre-feed bait, which um, familiarises pests with the the cereal bait, and then the second phase, which will be in about um, in a you know a week to two weeks time, is where the baits will contain 1080, and there'll be there'll be real safeguards there. Uh, the reserves will be co- closed while it's um, while it's occurring. Um, they, they don 't put the the uh, baits close to the lakes that are storage lakes for the water supply, and as a, an extra precaution they they close the water supply from the lakes where the ten eighty uh, is being distributed you know um, uh, uh, in, a, in a an approximate area too, even though it you know would mm. be several hundred meters away from from the lakes, so every precaution is taken. But if people, are, you know, if you if you if you wander up with your dog off a lease and, and you won't be able to during the period of the poison drop, you know, if the dog scavenges a dead carcass that's a consumed 1080, or they, they 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 lick the bait itself, that will be fatal to dogs or to to animals. So real precautions are put in place. We work closely with EWE. We work closely with uh, the Department of Conservation. But we know how effective the operations are. And just to give you an idea. Uh, Kokako, um, you know, in the 1990s it was down to one breeding pair. They were they were just on the verge of extinction. Um, by by 2018 we had 106 breeding pairs in the Hunua ranges, but because of the 1080 operation, uh, that increased in, in the space of um, four years to 229 pairs. So from one breeding pair to 229 pairs. That shows you that um, if you if you use your your, your trapping, uh, backed up by the 1080, you can preserve bird life that's otherwise going to be extinct it also gets ferrets and stoats I know that we started introducing kiwi into the hunua and tragically because we hadn't wiped out the last ferret um, we we lost most of the kiwis that we reintroduced so the only way to protect our bird life and the quality of our bush against just an explosion in population of possums, rats, stoats uh, is to use this bait and that's why we're using it.
0: And now just quickly, uh, before we wrap up, uh, reminding everyone that voting opens for the upcoming mayoral race on the 16th of September and closes midday on the 8th of October. Uh, Mayor Phil Goff, what do you see as the greatest challenge facing Auckland's next mayor?
1: Oh... Well, it's um, it's a combination of the things that we've been confronting. I've always put climate change up there for you know some of the reasons we've just been discussing, and that's why you know we've successfully introduced a climate action targeted rate which will raise a billion dollars. We've got a climate action uh, plan uh, to try to reduce our emissions. We've just recently reduced a, a transport emissions reduction program. It's a huge challenge and it's going to be really really tough. But if we don't do it, you know just look at what's happening in the world at the moment. A third of Pakistan is flooded, a third. Uh, extraordinary. Um, Europe, uh, temperatures over 40 degrees over the summer. China, the Sichuan uh, area and the Yangtze River, worst drought in and. And more than living memory actually, uh, and so bad that you know they 've had to close factories because the hydroelectric plants can 't operate because there 's no water. We know the threat of climate change, and we know that time is running out fast that 's why we 've got to change our lifestyle, change our culture and 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 make sure that we can effectively play our part in dealing with it. But on top of that, they're, they're the usual things of, you know, infrastructure, we're, we're investing at record levels and, you know, we, we added 100 million litres a day water supply to Auckland last year to protect us against climate change and, and for growth, um, to make sure that we've got that central interceptor through that'll stop wastewater going into our, our harbours. Uh, all of those sort of things, um, you know, we've done some massive things in the mm. last six years, but it's an ongoing project.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much for your time this morning, Mayor Phil Gough, and we'll talk to you again in a week.
1: Always oh, a pleasure, So, You take care and, um, you know, hope everybody has a great day out there. All
0: right. Ka kite.
1: Ka kite. Wa.
0: That was Sounding Off with Phil Goff.